We had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. What we are very proud of now is that we penetrate the cabinets. Seriously, I'm, I'm making a serious point. I don't know what half of them are protesting against. We've still got Fauci walking around free. The man should be in irons in the darkest pit. As much as he touts that he cares about it, he doesn't. This is our revolution. It's not theirs. Don't let them take it from you. Don't let them convince you that it's their revolution when in fact it's not. It's ours. And we will have it. It is Tuesday, the 7th day of June, year of our Lord 2022. I am Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams and the fan favorite, somewhere between iconic and psychotic, Marty Foster. Marty, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. As you said earlier today when you telephone called me, that I sounded, what, what was the word you used? Perky. Perky. Um, yes, you sounded very perky, yeah. like you just finished your morning coffee. Well... I, I never finish my morning coffee because I have a constant stream of coffee. It's the only thing. Coffee and sarcasm is is what runs me. But I was in work mode. You know, I had my work head on. So it was as if I spoke to you, I suppose, as if I'd have spoken to any of my colleagues or a customer. So so hence hence the peppiness of, of, yeah. of my tone. But, yeah, I'm good. Thanks, mate. I hope you are. Oh, yeah. And how about you, well. Bruce? Oh, good. Sorry, I didn't mean to immediately cut you off there, but I had to no, get no. to Bruce. No worries. Because you always get to ask him, and he gets to, to do his reply. Yeah, healthy and alive, as usual. Uh, but, uh, a bit busy here today, but uh, yeah, doing well. It's Excellent. unfortunate you weren't able to join us yesterday, but you were... You were out uh, I, yeah. most of the afternoon, I, so there wasn't uh, yeah. wasn't a whole lot that was going on. But it was a last minute notice on my part. And I do apologize, but uh, yeah, it would have well, been a great, great, uh, a great conversation uh, to get you involved with too. Yeah, I think you'd have liked it. Well, if I would have been a normal human being and slept like normal humans, I, I would have been there on time. But uh, yes, but you were working on yeah. a very important project, and you were going well into the night. So I don't fault you for that. You know, it's you got to do what you got to do. So. Uh, I hope that that new stuff you bought uh, actually does the trick for you. I hope I hope that actually gets the ball rolling in the right direction for you. It's been uh, a learning endeavor, but uh, it's the industry standard uh, this the software. And um, let's just say the 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 few hours I've been able to be in it so far, uh, super nice, fantastic. Good. I, I can understand why it's the industry standard. Very good. Okay, uh, so right on to uh, I want to talk about the uh, uh, the whatever that was the the wake <laughs> excuse me the uh, the jubilee celebration I, I want to talk about that uh, that happened because that's what it looked like didn't it I, I want to talk about that that happened in the UK but we're going to get to Boris Johnson first a vote going on right now in Parliament we don't know the result yet though by the time this airs tomorrow uh, we will probably know the result but there's a vote going on right now that is a vote of no confidence to Prime Minister Boris Johnson. If I understand this correctly, if there is a vote of no confidence by the Conservative Party and Boris is ousted, then the Chancellor of the Exchequer takes over? Or is it the Deputy PM and then the, the, he holds it until there's, it, if there's a, like a snap election or a general, another, if someone calls a general, then the balance of power could change. Is, is that right? Or am I, do I have that wrong? Basically... If the vote of no confidence goes against Johnson, then yes, the deputy prime minister takes over, but the party would hold leadership elections and people would put themselves forward to be the next leader of the Conservative Party. Um, a man we used to look up to, or at least I used to look up to, Nigel Farage, this morning tweeted that there's no way that the Tories can win the next election with Johnson still as leader. For my part, I tweeted back that there's um, no way any of the major parties should win the next election uh, until a full clear out, cull, removal, whatever you want to call it, of all the World Economic Forum Klaus Schwab puppets that are in our political parties has been conducted. You've got people like Farage who, um, I know we're talking about Boris, but I'll get back to that. Well, Farage, You've got people like Farage. He could have made he, it. He could, if he, he stood, I th he, he stood a good chance at least. He, yeah. Uh, and he's got a lot of support and he's got an, a new platform on GB News to, to speak from. My question is, why isn't he calling out this unelected influence 
the way he did inside the European Parliament, um, talking about the Commission, a group of unelected individuals that are deciding um, how things should be run in an entire continent. Um, it's just wrong. But I'm I'm wondering, it takes, I think, 54 letters uh, to the 1922 co committee to um, trigger a vote of no confidence. And that's an awful lot of people in the Conservative Party who are saying we have no confidence in this leader. But are they just doing it because so many people have now seen through Boris? He was roundly booed at the um, Jubilee celebrations as he got out of his car. And as he left his, St. Paul's Cathedral, oh, the BBC actually muted the crowd, but the mainstream media, as bad as they are to their credit in America, they didn't mute the crowd and it was pretty horrendous. Yeah. So it, it may be a case that the party, you know, goes, sorry, Boris, you're going to have to step down. So we'll we'll have this this sort of charade of a vote of no confidence and a new leader will be chosen and you'll gain X amount of this new leader will gain X amount of popularity for a short space of time. It's just about a little top up of popularity and of uh, public good feeling about the leader of their government, um, just to keep us quiet and in our place for a little bit longer. That's the way I see it anyway. I, d I don't think that Johnson would have got the leadership given his track record uh, and, and sort of, um, what's the word? He's very liberal with the truth, not liberal with the truth. He's a liar, basically. That's what I'm trying to say. I couldn't think of a, a, a cleverer way to say it. The man's a liar. We we knew he was a liar when he was standing on the get Brexit done um, sort of campaign trail to get him elected as the next prime minister. And he's made an absolute balls up of of that. It's we're, we're really no better off. And he's revealed his hand and his connections with... Schwab and the Davos group. So yes, it is time for him to go, but whoever we get will just be another puppet at the moment. Yeah, that's true. And to be honest, I don't know if there's anybody, at least in the interim governments that we have in any of our countries, let let alone yours or any of the Europeans or, or the Americas or, or Canadians or whatever, or Australians or New Zealanders, all of them have been compromised by Klaus and his people. And it's actually even part of our intro. Klaus was sitting on a stage at Harvard, talking about it, bragging about it, saying, what we're very proud of is that we've penetrated more than 50% of all these cabinets. And so even with the uh, the so-called leaders of these countries, uh, well, we know that more than half of their cabinets are for our view of things. That's basically the long version. I'm kind of paraphrasing, of course. But you're not going to be able to rid your, uh, your cabinet or your government of uh, the unelected people I'm talking about, of these uh, these lackeys from Davos. The clever thing that Schwab has done, and I think it's important to identify where your enemy um, has been clever and what your enemy's strengths are, is that they haven't just penetrated the political world. They've penetrated the world of big tech, big pharma, industry, entertainment, and the royal families. During the Jubilee celebrations, the first to speak was Prince William, who will be king of my great country after his father, after Prince Charles has either parted this mortal coil or handed the reins over in an abdication. And his speech had nothing to do with the service of his grandmother, who wasn't seen much after they had an event at Windsor Castle. Um, and it was all about horses. They they do it on a regular basis, and the, the Queen absolutely adores horses and loves to see them doing all the different jobs that horses can do, whether it be a cavalryman's horse, show jumping, horse racing. Uh, and it was a fantastic show, actually, but she was there. She was vibrant, um, energised, smiling, laughing, but the rest of the... Um, the celebrations she didn't attend and i would have expected prince william to have you know bigged up his grandma grandma's done a fantastic job for the country for 70 years but no his it, it was it was as if greta thunberg had channeled him and possessed his body and it was all just an eco save the planet message there isn't a person alive who doesn't want to do better for the planet 
a sane person anyway. So that that discounts um, all of the CCP members, all of the Davos group and the rest of it. We want to do the best for our planet and we want to live a cleaner, greener life. But we don't need those kind of lecturing speeches during a celebration for something completely different. And I'm 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 wondering if if the Queen just went, well, if that's the way Charles and William are going, I don't want to have any more part of this. That's what I'm wondering, because she did play no further part. And, you know, the celebrations, although thousands of people enjoyed themselves in London, thousands of people would have enjoyed most of the concert. Um, you know, uh, it was a bit lacklustre because she wasn't present. So I don't know if that's answered any of your questions, if there was a question to begin with, or if I've just rabbled on for the last five minutes, but there you go. Well, I have two pieces of audio uh, to kind of back up what you're talking about here. First of which, and uh, you did answer quite a bit, uh, first of which you were talking about Klaus and how they have compromised all these different uh, groups and all these different individuals in different areas of different facets of people's lives here in the West. This is him. Now, remember, all of this is a conspiracy theory, right? There's no cabal that's going to take over the world. Nobody's going to do that. No, that's a conspiracy. Tinfoil hat wear. Just go over there, shut up and sit down and, and be quiet, right? Let the experts run things, right? There's no cabal that's going to take things over. This is Klaus Schwab himself talking about the people that they have on board with their agenda. Not yours, but theirs. Uh, if, if I look at our stakeholders, we have business, uh, of course, um, as a very important audience, and we have politics, we have uh, uh, continuous um, uh, partnerships with many governments around the world, and of course we have NGOs, uh, we have trade unions, we have all those different parts. Media, of course. Media, of course, and very important um, experts and scientists and academia. Because if we are looking at the future, I think we should look at new solutions, and the new solutions will be very much driven by technological uh, developments. And we even have, uh, you even have religious leaders, right? We Religious leaders, we have social entrepreneurs, very important social entrepreneurs. There you go. So that covers pretty much every facet of uh, uh, of all of our lives. Now, to get to your second part, uh, do, do you want to comment on that before we get to uh, Prince William and a little bit of his speech there that had nothing to do with uh, anything involving the celebration? It was all about wishy-washy green agenda stuff from Klaus Schwab and his group. If I were to comment, you'd have to bleep it anyway. So I'll well, just okay. let you we carry have on. The bleep button here. So go ahead. How are we still where we are when this absolute says stuff like that and people don't take any notice people don't see what's happening people don't question their own politicians people don't question the business leaders how can it be that he can speak that openly and still nobody questions it wake up people you are sickening me with your sheep-like slumber there you go you asked for a comment so i thought i'd give you one and, you know, we talked yesterday about uh, mass formation hypnosis, and <laughs> it is, it is, as, as it was described by uh, Professor Matthias Desmond, it is very frustrating to have to sit there and, and be a voice of dissent and see everybody else that won't wake up to it. It is very frustrating. Uh, but what is important is that we don't focus specifically on that. Uh, and it is uh, the most important thing is that we continue to be consistent. If we continue to be consistent and we continually disrupt that forcing of that agenda, then that's going to be enough over time. That's going to be enough because right now you've got this, uh, the, the ones that have gone insane and off the deep end, like Klaus and his <clears throat> stakeholders, they're self-destructive. They're on self-destruct and they're starting to now devour each other. Uh, and that's showing. Same thing within the group that they have in the mass formation out here in the populace. So uh, it's only a matter of time, my friend. But moving right along here to Prince William. Uh, this is his speech that had absolutely nothing to do with whatever this was. But he was talking up his grandmother just a little bit. While no one's grandmother thanks them for talking about their age, my own grandmother has been alive for nearly a century. In that time, mankind has benefited from unimaginable technological developments and scientific breakthroughs. And although those breakthroughs have increased our awareness of the impacts humans have on our world, 
our planet has become more fragile. Today, in 2022, as the Queen celebrates her Platinum Jubilee, the pressing need to protect and restore our planet has never been more urgent. But, like her, I am an optimist. Decades of making the case for taking better care of our world has meant that environmental issues are now at the top of the global agenda. More and more businesses and politicians are answering the call. And perhaps most inspiringly, the cause is now being spearheaded by an amazing and united generation of young people across the world. Congratulations to all of them. They won't accept the status quo. They won't accept that change is too difficult to deliver. Never before have we had so much power to change the big things. In the past 70 years, mankind has put man on the moon. We have built the World Wide Web, and we have developed vaccines and solutions to some of the most life-threatening diseases on Earth. When humankind focuses its mind, anything is possible. It's my firm hope that my grandmother's words are as true in 70 years' time as they are tonight. That as nations we come together in common cause, because then there is always room for hope. Tonight has been full of such optimism and joy, and there is hope. Together, if we harness the very best of humankind and restore our planet, we will protect it for our children, for our grandchildren, and for future generations to come. They will be able to say, with pride at what's been achieved, what a wonderful world. Before you rip oh. him, Marty, yeah. I, I want to say... <laughs> it's um, Greta Thunberg. I'm That's sorry. <laughs> I just, just want to say I'm sorry that is your leadership that is what he's been turned into don't forget he's been groomed from birth yeah. to be what he is and i've got i've got more time really for people like the uh united arab emirates royal family who really do care about their people they are a totalitarian government they are a dictatorship but they're a very benign dictatorship whereas our royal family are a constitutional monarchy and they are effectively just paper tigers. They've got no real teeth. And all they have is is the ability to influence loyal British subjects. That's what they've got. And that's that's why people like Schwab um, will focus on royal families, constitutional monarchies, because they know that they are mouthpieces that lots of people will follow. But where he said about harnessing the very best of humanity, I think that might have been a Freudian slip. Uh, I think that might have been closer, something closer to what he really meant was what we decide is the best of humanity will be harnessed. The rest will be left to die uh, or, or help it along the way by snake oil vaccines, by pandemics, by poverty, by starvation, by fuel poverty by cold in the winter, especially in this country. And um, he's doing it with with what he thinks is a clear conscience. And I know in yesterday's podcast, Ned mentioned that self-justification that happens inside big corporations. Oh, yeah, we're doing this for the greater good, air quotes. That's, that's what they're led to believe. And, you know, he's not to be blamed as such because... He's another individual that hasn't really had a choice in life. People who have choices in life are free. They're people who've independently wealthy or can survive by themselves. You know, they don't need lots of money, but to be, I think wealth is is measured in, in many ways. One of which is, can you feed your family every day? Yes, I can. And I can continue to do so. And I can teach my sons and daughters how to make this land that I own feed future generations as well as real traditionalism you're talking about I, I am i am but i i firmly believe and i had this conversation with a another american gentleman 
uh, just yesterday, we were talking about different jobs and managerial techniques and all the rest of it. And I firmly believe there's only one real job. And I'm going to call it farmer. That is the only one real job. Anything else is just made up nonsense that we don't need. If you can raise cattle, you've got leather and fur to, to wear as clothes. If you can, and meat to eat. And if you can grow vegetables and grain, you've got staples that, that can feed you. You can include fishermen, you can include hunters, but essentially anyone, the, the only real job on the planet is to provide food for your family. Everything else is is just gilding the lily, you know. Um, we don't do, do we need insurance salesmen? No. no. Well, no, yes, no. we do because we've been we've been forced into a world where um, if anything goes wrong and you haven't got the financial means to support your family because you haven't got the land to grow food on, then you're finished. So it, it's all been created. All these jobs have been created by the way that we've been herded, and we have been herded. And it's time to stop being bovine, ovine, and start being more canine or feline and and you know be hear that lion roar as we start to fight back against these people that are herding us in the direction they want us to go so moving ahead on that point in order to do that then you're you're essentially saying that and this is what we've been kind of advocating for here is what what you're essentially saying is that we need to start building our own parallel systems away from this this system that they have created this house of cards that they've created is going to come down so they want to come down on top of it. They want to ride that that paper tiger all the way down, and they want to make sure that on the ashes of that, they build their great reset. That's their new system. It's the digital ID system. It's the social credit system and all the rest of it going forward. That's their digital system. That's what Klaus Schwab talks about. Oh, it's going to be a young world, but is it really? Because you're literally leading all of them into the, a bonfire. <laughs> and then it's going to be a digital world. Okay, who? By who? Because everybody that has a brain that can think outside of this is rejecting your system on its face. You've got guys that advise people like Schwab, actually, well, not people like Schwab, but Schwab directly, uh, and have been praised by the likes of like Bill Gates and, and Barack Obama and, and these types, guys like Noah Harari. He's come out before and said, look, these these people, what are we going to do with all these useless people going into the future? What are we going to do with them? Uh, I mean, the masses used to think that they have power. They don't anymore. What are they going to do, even if they organize? Son, they are organizing. They're organizing all across Europe. You're ignoring them. That's the problem. That's the disconnect right there. They are in their own little bubbles. They don't stop to think how many people actually hate their guts. They have to disable the comments. When they just had the Davos meeting, you haven't been on since then because you've had things to tend to. I get it. We actually haven't discussed that with you. When their meeting was going on, they disabled all the comments. No one could give them feedback. They weren't taking any live chats or anything like that at all. You could watch the conferences and, and everything else. Uh, they didn't have any of the G7 leaders there. I don't know if you knew that or not. None of the leaders spoke there. Uh, it was all the tech people, the banking heads, the hedge fund people, uh, the pharma companies. Hell, Albert Borla and, and Klaus Schwab were up there on stage having conferences. Bill Gates was there having conferences on stage with, uh, with Borla and, and some other people. So none of the actual <clears throat> leaders of any of our nations were there. None of them were there. So I think they, right there, yeah. it just shows the disdain for these people. They just want to have their little meeting and they don't want the so-called governments that are supposed to be elected representatives that work for us, which they actually aren't. They're compromised. It actually shows that they don't want that connection to be made because it's going to cause an even bigger resistance against what they're trying to do. You know, I'm, I'm not uh, a qualified psychologist, but I can recognize sociopathic and narcissistic behavior when I see it. And um the guy you spoke of, what was his name again? Uh, Harari. The, the advisor, Harari. Yeah. Is that the one with the high-pitched voice? Yes. Uh, do you want me to play the clip of him real quick, talking about useless people and all the rest of it? What are we going to do with them? I think I've seen it, but why not? Just let, let the listeners hear it. Okay, here it is. The biggest question, in, in maybe in economics and politics of the coming decades, will be what to do with all these useless people. The problem is more uh, boredom and how, what to do with them and how will they find some sense of meaning in life when they are basically meaningless, worthless. My best guess at present is a combination of drugs and computer games. 
as a solution for more. It's already happening. Uh, in, 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 in under different titles, different headings, you see more and more people spending more and more time or uh, uh, solving their inner problems with uh, uh, drugs and computer games, both legal drugs and illegal drugs. You look at Japan today, and Japan is maybe 20 years ahead of the world in, in everything, and you see all these new social phenomenon of, of people having relationships with virtual uh, virtual spouses, and you have people who never leave the house and, and just live through computers. Yeah, I think I once you're superfluous, you don't have power. You've heard enough. <laughs> I've heard enough of him. Um, <laughs> okay. The thing is, you can't actually argue with a lot of what he's saying. There are an awful lot of people who are living their lives like that. They are drug dependent. They are hooked on a computer game. And the three of us, we all love a computer game, but it doesn't rule our lives. We do other things. We get out, we meet people, we socialize, we have other hobbies and interests and projects and work. And the, the most important thing is work. What this effete snob is actually saying is that there isn't going to be any work for them. We can't create any new jobs for them because everything is going to be automated. Everything's going to be done through technology. And that's why he can't see what purpose there is for what he describes as useless people. There is no such thing as a useless person. Everybody well, has know. got something Hon to give. Honestly, I don't know. When you when you listen to him, that pretty much fits the profile of what I think oh, a useless mate, person might I, be. I don't count him as a person. That, uh, <laughs> I'm talking about people who, who have an element of humanity. Yeah. What, what you've got there is someone who thinks they're way above the human condition. It's not any part of his personality makeup. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm better than that is the way he thinks. That's the narcissism that, that I was talking about earlier. No, we, we, we have to call these people out. We have to somehow get a, any media outlet to, to, to get that individual into a panel show and let an audience rip him a new one. That's what needs to happen. But, of course, he'll, he'll stay well clear of that. He, it'll be sycophantic, bought-and-paid-for media that interview him and the likes of him. And he'll um, stay in the conferences, like the conferences on the stage where it's people that they all pick and they're all comfortable with. Yeah, and the the reason that the, the G7 leaders were not at the, the last meeting was because that last meeting was more of a, of a working group. They don't want the interference of people who might go, oh, hang on, though, that, that doesn't benefit my country. That doesn't benefit this country. Well, we, we were thinking of going down a different route. They don't want people second guessing. What they want is their quorum to be fully briefed and understood on the direction that they're taking. So to have someone who is an elected leader or an unelected leader of a country present at that meeting would have been counterproductive to their core aims and their core aims were to i think to to take a step back look at how far the pandemic got them see what benefits they've gained from it and where to push next it's they're basically reorganization reammunition bomb up out they go again they'll be coming straight back at us with something else very very soon that's why the G7 leaders were not there, in my humble opinion. Although there's bugger all humble about my opinion. To your point about uh, him saying that people don't have uh, power anymore, I don't disagree. And, and here's, here's what I mean by that. The people do have power. They can affect change. But uh, from what we're seeing out of the United States, at least, the people here, you don't have any power. And until you show me otherwise, I'm going to continue to say you have no power. But... It, it basically what it's boiling down to is nobody's taking action. Nobody's using the power that they have. So that's effectively you can have all the power in the world. If you don't use it, you're powerless. You have no power. So it, it's not being utilized. So whether or not you truly don't have any power is irrelevant. He's right uh, that you aren't using the power that you have. Thus, you are powerless. Yeah, like, like I said, there, there is a lot of what he says you can't argue with, and, and you've picked up on a very salient point there. Um, this has been bugging me for quite a while since the trend began. I've known lots of people called Karen throughout my life, and they've all been pretty nice people as far as I can remember. But 
we're we're in a asymmetrical warfare situation with these bastards. And one of the things that they seem to have done is allowed um, social media, TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, sorry, Fastbook. I've only just got off another ban, by the way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but they've allowed them to have these videos up of people trying to exercise their individual power. And some of them are laughable, but many of them, it's like, They've reached the end of their tether and they're complaining to someone and they're, they're getting angry and they're, they're fighting back. But they're labelled Karens and they're labelled Karens and the, their whole argument is dismissed on, on that basis. And kids are soaking this crap up. Uh, they're just watching these these videos. People have constantly got their head in the phones I've got a very good friend who recently, and it's, this is sad, the, 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 by no means do I mean to make light of this, he lost his teenage daughter because she had her head in the phone when she went to walk across the road and was killed by a bus. People have got their heads in phones too much. At least with a podcast, we don't put any pictures out, do we? So so all they, they can they can listen and they can see what's around them. So I think we're fairly harmless, but these... Short videos that don't show the whole context of the issue, and just to label someone as a Karen, it's a psyop. It's trying to stop us fighting back. It's trying to stop people complaining. At the beginning, at the intro, you've got Scott Morrison saying, "I don't understand what they're complaining about." That was Dan yeah? Andrews, Premier of Victoria. Oh, was it? I beg your pardon, but. They all sound the same to me anyway, apart from... <laughs> anyway. So, apologies to our Aussie listeners. <laughs> I mean, politicians. Politicians, not all Aussies, for goodness right, sake. Right. No, I did mean Aussies. You were right, but fair enough. You just had an um, Aussie visit you. We did. We did. And uh, it was absolutely wonderful. Good. But to get back to my point, so I'll yeah, finish on. this one off. <laughs> go ahead. Please, people, be a Karen. Let's make being a Karen something proud to be, because... Someone who stands up for their rights, someone who argues with a stroppy teenager who's skateboarding outside their office building and nearly knocks them on their ass. Complain. Stop them. People who are not getting good service by airlines that have just bumped them off a flight that they've prepaid for. Complain. Do complain. But whatever you do, stay within the law. And you can guarantee there'll be some moron stood a few people behind you with a smartphone recording everything that happened. So do complain. Um, there's a phrase we use in the military, you may have to bleep me, but get your shit in one sock and know what you're going to do. And make that complaint, make it real, get some movement on it, and be a Karen. Thank you. You know, you were, uh, you were mentioning about disrupting things, right? I mean, that's, that was kind of like your whole basis of, of that, right? There's just being like a little bit of a disruption within uh, within a, a message to push back on something, right? That's the, kind of the point you were trying to get across, correct? That was one of a very complex number of points, but yes, thank you for recognizing uh -huh. that. I, I wanted to play this. We, we didn't play this particular clip yesterday, but since you're here, I want to play it anyway. This kind of sums up, I think, two or three of your main points that you've been trying to make here over the last 40 minutes, uh, and that is seeing frustration on your side, right? And believe me, I, I see it every day. The frustration of people not seeing what's going on. And then, of course, the frustration that you have to deal with from everything else in your everyday life that you're talking about that, you know, push back and, and be, a, be a Karen, if you will. That, that frustration is compounded on top of the other frustration that you're dealing with that has absolutely nothing to do with it because it raises your anxiety level. It raises your tension. It raises your stress. And then, of course, when you get to a point where you can finally have an outlet, you react. And in some cases, you might overreact. But this was a clip that, as, as I said, we didn't get to yesterday, but uh, I'll play it today because it's it's a small summation of a little bit of what we discussed yesterday. And it's the effectiveness that you can have. And I'm not talking about just you, Marty, or, or you, Bruce, or, or anything like that. I'm talking about all of the listeners. This is an effect that you can have simply by speaking to one other person. Now, it doesn't matter who that is, whether that's someone within your circles, a family member, a friend, a colleague, whatever, it doesn't matter. But the mere fact that you're a voice of dissent and you're an opposing voice to an agenda that's trying to force itself upon you is extremely important. Even though you might just be one voice, that's all you need to be. A lot of people think that, that they can do nothing. 
oh, well, I'm just one voice. I'm just one person. What can I do? You can do a great deal. If we're talking about the power of the people here and the power of the masses, which uh, that that psychotic Harari seems to think that are irrelevant. And I'm not disagreeing with you, Bruce, when I say that, because what good is your power if you don't exercise it? So it's imperative that everybody does this on all levels, both of what you're talking about, Bruce, and what you're talking about, Marty. This is Professor Desmond, Matthias Desmond, talking about how critical it is to be that voice of dissent and to push against the grain, push against the narrative. And what happens if you don't do that? The dissonant voice, it's just crucial. I repeat this time and time again, that the dissonant voice continues to speak out, even when we see time and time again that the people who are into the narrative, the corona narrative, or into the mass formation, do not wake up. Huh? Still, we will never succeed in waking up the people in mass formation. That is impossible, usually. Sometimes, exceptionally, someone will wake up, definitely. It happens from time to time. People won't wake up. But the dissonant voice will constantly disturb the hypnosis, constantly. And Gustave Le Bon mentioned already that in a strange way, if the dissonant voices continue to speak out, the hypnosis never becomes so deep that people be become convinced that it is their ethical duty to kill the people or to eliminate the people who do not go along with the masses. So that's crucial. When you talk and when you speak, never expect that you will wake up people because you will be disappointed and you will become exhausted. You just have to know that by just expressing your opinion, by just speaking out, you will disturb, you will put a seed of doubt every time again in the people who believe in the narrative. And then that's the strategy. The only thing you have to do is we have to continue to speak out and maybe it will become dangerous. It's perfectly possible, but still we have to continue. And uh, in that way, the moment, the, so, uh, the masses and the crowd and totalitarianism are typically self-destructive. They exhaust themselves. In the end, they become radically self-destructive towards themselves. The, the, the masses in the totalitarian state, to put it in the words of Hannah Arendt, Hannah Arendt, typically devours its own children in the end. In most countries, the process of mass formation started, but it collapsed quite soon, quite early. And there were only two countries, like Nazi Germany and Russia, the reason why the process of mass formation collapsed uh, before the destruction began um, and, and the other countries was that people continued to speak out while in Nazi Germany and in the Soviet Union, um, the opposition, the resistance, at a certain moment decided to stop to speak out and to go underground. That happened in 1930 in the Soviet Union and then 1935 in Nazi Germany. And within six months, eight months, the destruction began. Stalin started his large purges, which claimed tens of millions of victims, somewhere between 1930 and 1931. And the same happened in Nazi Germany between 1935 and 1936, very shortly after the opposition decided to stop to speak out. So you see how important it is to continue this on all levels. To both of your points, how crucial this is to continue to keep that pressure on. Everything that man just said validates what we've been trying to do since we started the podcast. Yeah. My problem for me personally is purely me, is I don't have a flee or flight response. I only have a fight response and not knowing when to back down has in the past been a problem for me. And I, I am frustrated. Uh, and, and you're right about the stress thing. It does cause stress in individuals that are aware of what's really happening and don't take the narrative as as the truth everybody else they're already in the matrix haven't they they've taken the pill that means they're just going to go to sleep and not know about it because they've accepted the media bull that we're being fed on a daily basis so yeah we do have to to keep up that that voice of dissent but at the same time i was just trying to think on board a, a noisy warship for instance if everything is running normally uh the engines are going you can hear clanking people moving around you can still get to sleep you can still drop off to sleep but i found particularly on hms achilles which is an old leander class frigate when the active sonar was pinging at the front of the ship and our mess deck was was quite a way forward there was no chance of getting to sleep while that bloody thing was making its pinging noises 
every six seconds. Um, there's there's no way you can get to sleep in six seconds. So that voice, that that descent, that that voice of descent has to be loud and irritating and at regular intervals. Otherwise, people will just ignore it. So that that's my only embellishment on what the man was saying there. If you are going to be a voice of dissent, then you have to do it regularly, and you have to make it. You have to make it painful. You have to point out to people. You know, you're stood there in this queue in a supermarket for the checkout. You're wearing a mask, but your nose is outside of that mask. You are ridiculous. I love those um, people. <laughs> I love those what? people. <laughs> they're, they're just conformists, uh, and they don't even understand the whole premise the science quotation marks behind wearing a piece of cloth in front of their face i actually saw so a I'd like to... to... i'm sorry i, I just to, to point this out I, I have to because it's just funny I, I saw a video yesterday of a woman on a bus in london who had some of the the plastic cling film we call it saran wrap in the u.s i don't know what you call it uh in in the uk but uh, you know what I'm talking about, the, the plastic I kitchen do, wrap. I and I've seen the clip. I've seen You've the clip. You've seen it, she, or she wraps it around her seat and, and all around her as a as a yeah. barrier while she's sitting there. <laughs> yeah, she'll stay fresh, obviously. It is abso- absolutely ludicrous. People who, well, currently, anyone who's got a blue and yellow flag on their Facebook picture, you need to go and have a real look at what's actually happening. You need to examine why the war started in the first place and you need to remember that there is no good guy in that war there are only the victims and those victims are heading your way if you're in one of the countries that are lucky enough not to be at war that neighbor ukraine and you say get rid of those uh get rid of those uh those ukraine flags well they're going to replace it with something else here real soon uh and that's my guess my guess and this is just my guess this is purely speculation as of today they have recorded officially there are 1000 monkeypox i'm doing the air quotes monkeypox cases in the west only in western countries it's not in china it's not it's actually it's not anywhere outside of eastern europe it's just eastern europe it's australia it's the us it's canada it's it's all the western nations and nowhere else it's it's incredible how a pandemic only affects those countries and nowhere else it's fascinating uh, but my guess is is that they're going to hype up this monkeypox thing. You've already got BBC and, and Sky News running the stock footage of smallpox people from back in the 1970s. They're already running those photos right now. Yeah. Ned and I were talking I, about it last night. Yeah, I, I listened to you and Ned talking about that earlier today. And that that will be the next thing. The, the interesting thing from my perspective is if it's not planned, then it's certainly been caused by the pandemic by COVID. So many people social distancing, so many people wearing those ridiculous cloth things that do nothing in front of their faces. So many people taking the snake oil vaccines have weakened their immune system. And again, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a virologist, but as far as I'm aware, if the smallpox vaccine works against monkeypox, which I believe it does, then the chances are these and the, the, that stock footage that you and Ned were talking about, the photographs that actually come from the 70s and are actually smallpox victims, not monkeypox victims at all, suggests to me that this is an outbreak of smallpox. We've kept smallpox and pox-like viruses in our bodies for quite a while. Chickenpox, shingles, all those sorts of things are related to that and if we've got a weakened immune system and people have you know made them their their system so weak that these viruses are taking hold again that's just a guess at it from my perspective an unqualified guess but all we ever ask people to do on here is is look at the truth look at facts get their news from a few sources and read between the lines because the truth always lays between two differing points of view don't we have um, some kind of tentative reports that the the monkeypox is uh, showing signs that it's engineered? Uh, Dr. Robert say Malone came out and said, uh, "Yeah, and said I was, that. yeah." I was just getting ready to say Robert Malone did a uh, did a Substack article on that, saying that to him it looks like that virus was engineered in a lab. 
So it's not the traditional monkeypox that we've seen before that's been around, I might add, and been spreading since 2003. Uh, it's not that. This has been enhanced, if you will, kind of like they did with uh, with coronavirus. They just mm -hmm. tweaked it a little bit, gave it that really great gain of function, kind of like what they're doing with this one. At least in Malone's research, that's what he seems to believe. Yeah. And uh, traditionally, monkeypox is... Uh, it's difficult to spread it between human and animal. That that transition is is um, unlikely to happen. That's why we have very few cases of of monkeypox among the human populace. Uh, but this one seems to be much easier to spread between human and animal and human to human, showing signs that it's possibly um, uh, been forcibly evolved, also known as gain of function, as you said. Or it's possible that uh, this vaccine. Maybe there was some kind of evolution that happened there. As you pointed out, Marty, um, it does weaken your immune system. Perhaps somebody became infected with uh, monkeypox and it uh, evolved and is able to spread much easier. We, we, we just we just won't know until the revolution really comes. That That's the problem. We, we just won't know. So unless we all go off and study for seven years, um, become highly qualified, you know, PhD level virologists, when we're not going to be certain. But when we've got people like Malone telling us that it's a possibility, we should at least listen and delve a bit deeper. And I think that's all we can ask people to do. And this is an article, this is breaking out of the New York Times, just so happens as we're sitting here talking about it, 21 Americans infected with monkeypox, according to the CDC, take that for what you will. As a number of cases outside of Africa approaches 800, which by the way, like I said, they've reported it as 1,000, at least on the European side of things, governments are scrambling for a limited pool of vaccines and treatments with unclear effectiveness. You knew they were going to pull that one, didn't you? Didn't. You and Ned mentioned last night that there's something like 32 million standby vaccines. Yes, and the U.S. just ordered, uh, what was it, Bruce? They just ordered uh, 13 million, or was it 30 million, and they paid like $114 million. Uh, I think them. it's 30 million. Uh, 30 million I think doses. it is 30 million. Yeah. yeah. It seems now that, that Big Pharma is just another way of moving money around. It's it's just a, a money laundering setup. Uh you know, when you've got something like the, the COVID vaccines, which don't give you immunity and don't stop retransmission, therefore are completely not a vaccine, being sold in their millions and tens of millions to countries, all it's doing is creating more and more national debt. And that's exactly what the Davos group, the Bilderberg group, the bloody Rothschilds want. They want that debt to be created because that is what gives them power. It's that debt that allows them to run roughshod over the rest of humanity. Sorry, not the rest of humanity, over humanity, because they don't count as human, as I said earlier. You said, uh, it's interesting you brought that up. You said uh, Bilderberg. We actually haven't talked about Bilderberg. You know they're meeting right now. Did you know that? No. I, I see, if, if, if I knew things like that, it, I'd probably be on a plane or or, or cycling, doing what, however, because I probably couldn't get on a plane. Yeah, me either. A lot of interesting people are attending that meeting. A lot of people from UK, a lot of people from European countries, various European countries. And these are like that, not necessarily heads of state, but these are financial people. These are pharma company people. These are venture capitalists, NGO people. I mean, these are th these are some of the high profile individuals like the CEO of, uh, of UBS is there, CEO of Barclays Capital, uh, th these types of things. Uh, uh, BlackRock people, they're all there. Economic advisors and uh, heads of, uh, excuse me, uh, State Department advisors. They are like th These are all the people that are attending. Uh, I think Kissinger's even there as well. But it's, it's just as the World Economic Forum ended, Bilderberg is starting, and they're meeting in Chantilly, Virginia this year. And the media is nowhere to be found. It's like it doesn't exist. I saw that, I saw that list of attendees. Yeah, I put it and up. It did, and it said Kissinger. Yeah. And I is that the same Richard Kissinger? Is he, is he still Henry going? Kissinger. Henry Kissinger. Henry yes. Kissinger. He's 99 Sorry, yeah. years old this year. He just celebrated his 99th birthday. I think it was last week. And guess who publicly praised him and gave him a birthday celebration? For his 99th birthday. You'll never guess. Take a guess. Seriously, take a guess. Well, if I'll never guess, you just set me up for failure. But uh, Putin. Was it Putin? You're close. The Chinese Communist Party. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> you couldn't make it up. You, you really couldn't make it up. But at the but, same time, 
when when I was growing up and saw Kissinger on TV, and he he was portrayed as a man who was seeking peace and to calm things down. He wasn't one of the hawkish advisors to government that were prompting America to get involved in wars all over the world. But it's only now, here I am in my 50s, realising that the man has had his finger in so many pies and such an influence or a real spider. But you've got so many spiders there that are now the faces. But the, the guy's 99, so anything he has to say has to be tempered with the, the fact that he's not going to be around for much longer. And, no, but we have and, his protege to deal with, and that's Klaus Schwab. Mm, exactly. Uh, and Schwab, how old is he? 70? He's, I, I believe he's, I, Bruce, you, you pulled it. I believe he's, I, I don't have his, his exact age, but I believe he's in his 70s. Uh, no, he's 84. He's 84. Okay, I thought he was a little bit younger than he, that. He's looking remarkably good yeah, for he's someone looking pretty who's 84. Good. Yeah, yeah, he's looking pretty good for someone who's 84. I'll give but him But that's someone who's never done a hard day's work in his life. Yeah, he's, someone he's who's collected a paycheck the, for 36 months, yeah. Yeah, some, someone who's got access to all the best pharmaceuticals and possibly organ transplants. Mm -hmm. uh, blood transfusions. And, and yeah. I hear that's blood quite popular amongst the, amongst the elites. Um, yeah. Last last few minutes here. Uh, we were talking about vaccines earlier. We were talking about uh, the, the whole monkeypox thing and uh, and possible reactions that and we even spoke about this yesterday. Possible reactions that could spark this. Is it entirely possible that this could be uh, some type of a skin irritation that's got a delayed reaction because you've come in contact with something else? That's a legitimate question. I'm not I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist, but I'm just asking a question. If you look at the Pfizer dumps of the reactions to this thing. Like I can't well, even calculate that stuff. Do you know I, how many skin I don't know. Do you know how many skin diseases and skin reactions there are that are listed? But for it to be diagnosed as any kind of pox by a doctor, it goes beyond just the the um true. The skin yes. rash. The, it's true. it's fever as well. Uh -huh. And in some cases, you know, sensitivity, other sensitivities, but you know, definitely fever. So I honestly don't know. I mean, for me, there was an immunosuppressant drug that I had to take or was, was prescribed, and I took it, and it gave me instant flu-like symptoms. This was some time ago, and it turns out I'm, I'm allergic to that particular drug. I won't mention it just in case anyone tries to off me by giving it to me. But as I say, it was an immunosuppressant. So if your immune system is suppressed then you get reactions with normal pathogens that you might be breathing in and out at any other time that would do no harm to you. But with a, a suppressed immune system, they suddenly become a problem. So, you know, jury's out. I, I don't have an answer for that. And then again, I'm, I'm not a qualified right. medical doctor right. or any kind of doctor for that matter. Well, I, I guess the way I wanted to go with it was I, I wanted to talk more about the accountability of it. We've seen how many... It, according to the Pfizer dumps, we've it, just with that one, we've seen how many reactions there were to this supposed safe and effective, I'm doing the air quotes, safe and effective jab that they told you to take. Hell, they're still telling you to take it. So the accountability, who's going to be held accountable for this on the other side? Marty, do you know who Majid Nawaz is? Yeah, I do. He's okay. a, he's a uh, LBC. He is. Broadcaster, yeah. He is. I have a clip here of him asking some very good questions concerning just that. As Bill Maher said on his show that I posted as well on my Twitter feed, he recently stated something that I agree with, and that was, he said, all of our bodies are different. We all react differently to medicine. Some of you, heck, react differently to peanuts. Something as safe as eating nuts and some of you die from it, which is why we put allergy information on everything. Go to a restaurant today and try and order a meal. One of the first things they ask you is, does anybody on this table have any allergies? Because even though it's that rare, they are liable if they feed you something with peanuts in it and you start to choke. And yet here we are, nobody's taking any responsibility for imposing vaccine mandates where we know, just like peanuts, that people's bodies react differently. And some people have died from this thing. This is as absurd as mandating nuts in every meal. Knowing, yes, a rare side effect of peanuts is some people have an allergic reaction and die from it. It's very rare, folks. And yet we've taken the opposite decision as public policy. And we've even started asking people in restaurants, do you have any nut allergies? Do you have any allergies before we serve them the food? Why has everybody abandoned their critical thinking faculties? What has happened to your natural skepticism? 
when it comes to what you're being told by big corporations, such as big pharmaceutical companies. All of you complain about cronyism and sleaze in government where you know politicians are taking uh, uh, compromised stances due to conflicts of interests. And yet on the biggest conflict of interest on the planet today, because all countries, and let's not pretend otherwise, hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil, we all see it. They're all synchronised, bringing in these mandates at the same time. And you don't want to ask if there's a conflict of interest there when in every other area of politics you're worried about conflicts of interest right now and sleaze. What a cognitive dissonance. And so I ask again, uh, who will take responsibility for side effects, no matter how rare, just like peanuts and allergies, when you impose these mandates? Who should the husband of Lisa Shaw go to for compensation? Because they were told this was safe. The man's not wrong. And he makes some great points there. No, he, he's, he's very right. Who, who will be uh, liable for the, the vast number of vaccine injuries? It could only be whoever decided that that was the vaccine that you would be given. So that's your government. The vaccine producers, the, the big pharma companies, they produced these things. Our governments didn't have to say, yeah, we're going to take them. But yet they, they were supposedly advised by uh, SAGE, the multi-skilled, multi... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Qualified, well, faceted. Multi-qualified, multi-faceted group of people that were supposed to be the experts on on life the universe and everything that advised them that oh we have to have this vaccine so the government should be held responsible and in turn they should go after big pharma but of course they're all in it together so majid can can say what he likes and the problem with majid nawaz is that a lot of what he says on lbc has been very woke. It's mm -hmm. been very woke. And yeah. he's alienated quite a large portion of the, the listening population that do listen to LBC. So now, when he comes out with something that is hard-hitting and the truth, uh, and a good question, he'll be ignored. Because yeah. he's already alienated that group. It's like the the man and woman in in the the Swiss weather predictor thing, you know, when it's sunny, the man comes out, and when it's raining, the world, vice versa. You only ever get one side at a time listening to these people on channels like LBC, uh, Talk TV, which has now got Piers Morgan back on, supposedly uncensored. He has and again, 10, he's viewers at any given time. He's not going to last. Yeah, I know, long. but he's alienated the other part of society by statements that were designed to be crass and and offensive to large groups of society but our problem is we get offended too bloody quickly um if if we showed less offense and listened more uh to the full message before we took offense we might find that we've got a lot of common ground I'm sorry, this is breaking, and it's it's fitting that it's breaking right here at the end. UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson overcomes a no-confidence vote by his peers and will remain in position until at least the end of the next general election. Uh, or Excuse me, until at least the next general election. The vote for yes was 211, vote for no, 148. There you go. He's managed again to bob and weave, duck and dive, and stay in power. Now, I didn't know which way this was that that was going to go, but that would have been my first guess that it was going to go that way, that he'd survive that vote, because it's counterproductive now to change jockey mid-race. And I don't mean the race to an election. I mean the race to the Great Reset. And people are following him. People haven't woken up. People haven't seen through the lies. They still forgive him everything. Even the the local councillor who came round to my house and said, oh, did you vote for Boris? Most men vote for Boris because he's, he's a little bit naughty, a bit of a lad. No, that's not why I voted Tory. And, I, and quite frankly, you have just done your entire gender a disservice by thinking that way or encouraging me to think that way. Not that we're going to get into gender politics tonight because we haven't got time. No, unfortunately, we're out of time. Uh, Bruce, did you have a final point you wanted to make there? You look like you've been queued up there for a second. Uh, do you have a final point you want to make before we call it, call it a quits? You can have the final word. I did, but uh, I've since lost it. So 
That's okay. You and I have the rest of the week to uh, to discuss politics yeah. and stuff. So I'm sure. My sincerest not. apologies, Bruce. I hope that wasn't my fault. <laughs> okay. Was it my dissenting voice that no. um, disrupted uh, you? It was. It was actually something on on what you were saying. It was the uh, Boris Johnson uh, survived, and then I got to thinking, how is that even the the voice of the people? How is that what the people want? And then you cleared it up. Yeah, it's it's not the voice of the people. It's the voice of the Conservative Party, which is becoming blatantly obvious to all those with eyes and ears has been totally bought and paid for by the Davos group. Much like our own Conservative well, yeah. Party. Uh, I mean, the, again, I don't think they, they... I think they've bought probably about the same amount of politicians in both countries, except for in your country, you have more politicians because you're a bigger country and you've got more places that need to be represented. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of local politicians they haven't bought yet. Yeah, but they're next. They're, yeah. They're, yeah, that's George they're, Soros they're, all the way. He's yeah. he wants he wants the control and and that's the United Nations too by the way. That's that's agenda 2030. That is controlling your life from the international level down to the local level. Everything that yeah. they do in agenda 2030 and this whole great reset stuff is implemented at the local level so it's to nullify your local elections and the local politique. I want to push back just real quick on this last bit, um, saying that the local uh, politique hasn't really been affected much. You've Uh, seen what happened in my local town here recently with the school and... I did hear. Yes, I did hear. It's filtering. We're in Bible Belt country. We're in the middle, like, and we, we, we couldn't figure out what gender bathrooms to have. We're going to have to go. For those of you who would like to send us some feedback, please do so anytime by sending us an email at dynamicpodcast at protonmail.com. Also, do you like the podcast you're listening to? We would ask you to pass this along to five friends. That's all, just five friends. You know someone you're trying to wake up? You know someone you're trying to get to think on their own and get them out of mass hysteria and mass hypnosis? Then we would appreciate it very much if you would send them our direction. Gentlemen, I want to thank you for being here today. Thank you to all of the listeners. Everyone have a great evening. Thanks, Johnny. Thanks, Bruce. Good night. Thank you.